Wild fall 5-4 to four to the Columbus Blue Jackets Saturday night at XL Energy Center, dropping their second game in a row, their second straight game at home, and falling to 2-2-1. Two, two, and one. Very troubling developments, uh, as we're seeing just in the first week to 10 days of the season. This is your Wild Minute with Troy, and we're going to break it down. So, here's where we're at through five games. Twice, the Wild give up seven goals. On opening night, they give up 43 shots, but because Gus had an outstanding game, they snuck away with a win there. Saturday night against Columbus, they give up 50-plus shots on goal, 90 shots total. The defense is uh, faltering, folks, and um, while certainly we can look at the statistics, break things down that way, just five games into the season, which is a very small sample size, we choose to go with the eye test. What we're seeing is a team that misses uh, Jared Spurgeon just a lot, and and that's not a surprise. He's the captain. He's the anchor on that defense, but he is only he is just one of three pairings. But once he left the lineup in the preseason, uh, you know, they started the Wild started the regular season with Brodeen and Faber together, but they quickly found out that taking your top two of your current six D men and pairing them together and then leaving those other two pairings without a Faber and without a Brodeen doesn't work very well. <laughs> now, they still are trying that at times, but it's 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 a mixed bag, and it's just, uh, you know, same with the Lions against Columbus. Right now they're just dealing, and they're shuffling the cards, and they're trying to find out what works. Here's what we know about this team. We knew this going in. We didn't talk about it a ton because you can hear it everywhere. Yes, as Billy said at the end of last year, this team for the next two years, two more years, are playing with one hand tied behind their backs. We get it. They're 14, 15, 16% of their salary cap is tied up in dead money. We know that. So it is impressive for the last three years that the Wild make the playoffs, that the Wild get 100 points in a season when they're doing it with seven-eighths of a salary cap. So that is impressive. Now, we can go and discuss, well, this is their own doing. Absolutely. But we've been down that road. We're not exonerating them, but that's the reality. This is a team with about 83 84% of a salary cap of a full roster of what other teams have. So that's one thing. Okay, well then let's move ahead for the next two years. This is what we see now with a roster like this. When a Boldy falls out of the lineup and gets shelved week to week, when Spurgeon goes out of the lineup, he's on the shelf week to week. You know, that's two of probably the Wild's top five or six players, and they're skating without him. Not making excuses, but you'd be foolish to not acknowledge that reality. Where that comes in, because teams overcome injuries all the time. The Wild have overcome injuries all the time. You'll remember last spring when Kaprizov was out for a month, the Wild went on a tear. I think they you know, probably lost one or two games because Boldy, I think, scored like 12 goals while Kaprizov was out. Something insane. But anyhow, yes, teams overcome injuries. But when a Wild roster is missing two of its top five or six players and there's no depth at the bottom... Once you get to 12, you literally have Iowa players bouncing back, you know, bouncing up and down. You have a Dakota Mermis. You have a Sammy Walker. Yes, I think Sammy Walker has potential, but he has to be on the right line. And when Sam Boldy's, or Sam, when Sammy Walker doesn't have Matt Boldy next to him, that's a problem. 
which is why they moved Sammy down to the fourth line yesterday and had him with Dewey 1 and Dewey 2 and moved up Patty Maroon to the second line. That tells you everything you need to know about the team's depth. Patty Maroon, they signed him for two reasons. To replace Reeves on the fourth line, normally a checking line, and then two, losing Dumba and Reeves from the room, from the locker room, the Wild are a quiet bunch. So they need that energy. They need that that jabbering and that uh, you know that experience, but also the silliness and the energy that a guy like Reeves or Maroon provides. Well, they moved him to the second line because through four games prior to Saturday night's loss, Maroon was a playmaker. And that second line with how boldy they figured move Maroon up there, make some plays for for JoJo. But what does that tell you? Think about this. Pat Maroon is moved up to a top six forward spot to make plays. If if we would have suggested that in the offseason, it's, it's laughable. But that's the desperation when you have no depth and you're missing two of your top five or six players. So like I said, we can go through the stats, but the eye test is pretty simple here. The defense is faltering miserably. And quite honestly, without Gus's performance last night, and I'm saying this when Gus gave up, Five goals, five, six goals. They either lost six, five, or five, four. I apologize. It's early on Sunday morning, so we might have that wrong. But what we do know is they lost by one goal in overtime. And that's not the point. The point is Gus has turned in two outstanding games and another solid game. And he's one and two in those, actually one, one, and one in those games. Because the Wild, let's not forget, they did escape with a point last night. So the quick eye test on these lines, the top line, Kaprizov, Hartman, Zuccarello. Yeah, they're scoring. You know, Zuccarello really had two goals yesterday, had one taken back. I, I still don't understand that possession call that, that they reviewed, said it was offsides, and they took it back, and they took the goal away. Uh, uh, that was a nonsensical call, and if that was by the letter of the law, they got to change that. that. That was silly. But anyhow, look at that top line. Kaprizov has three goals. He has several points. They're still not skating like they can. And the long-term concern I have is Hartman is not a top-line center. We'll get to that in another podcast. So the first line is kind of ho-hum. You know, kind of like an oatmeal raisin cookie. You're excited to have cookies and milk. Then grandma brings the oatmeal raisin. And it's like, eh, it's a cookie, but it has raisins in it. But it's a cookie. So I'll eat it. Well, that's that's kind of how the first line's doing. It's great line, top line, excited to see him on the ice. Yeah, they're scoring a few goals, but a lot of east-west, not a lot of north-south, and a lot of missed chances. Second line, once you take Boldy out of it, JoJo's very normal, very human. And Eck is Eck. Eck is the most important player on the team. Not the most valuable, but the most important. So we're loving Eck's game. Third line, Moose, centered by Rossi um, with Goudreau. Rossi got off to a great start. Again, I test here. Great start. First two games looked like someone that's going to move into a top six forward role sooner than later. I still think he will. He's last three games, he's regressed to the mean a little bit. But that's fine. We're we're very happy with Marco Rossi's play. He needs to score more, but it'll come. He's he's certainly you notice him a lot more on the ice than you did last year. Then you go to the fourth line with Dewey one and Dewey two. Usually Patty Maroon. Right now, Sammy Walker. Uh, no complaints there. They're doing fine, but they're the fourth line. They're, they're, they're a line full of just, just some guys. And then the defense, <laughs> where do we begin? Faber, 
outstanding. Uh, again, I'll ask it again. What does it say when a, when a when a college hockey player last year has played what five, six, seven, eight, nine NHL games in his career, and he's now depended upon to babysit the bottom four defensemen on this team, which is why they split him and Brodine up. Brodine's playing solid. No real complaints there. He's been a little off and on. But again, Brodine and Faber are being asked to do an awfully lot with the captain uh, on the shelf. And then it drops off. Kalen Addison, we've long advocated for him to be on the power play. He is. Not seeing any difference from John Klingberg or anyone else. So Addison needs to step up. He is shooting more. He is quarterbacking the power play, which at times looks good. At times it doesn't. Um, We need more out of him. But we're glad that it's not just, you know, Dean yanking him and put making him a healthy scratch. One, because he can't. He doesn't have extra defensemen. But after that, Jake Middleton is lost without Spurgeon. Johnny Merrill is regressing continually. I, I think that was a contract they signed last year that was unnecessary. Goose is on the shelf, of course, which has thinned them out. Dakota Mermis got his second goal of his career Saturday night. Um, but I haven't seen enough to break down Dakota Mermis's defensive play. Um, so they need Spurgeon back. The Wild need Boldy back. They don't have the depth to get through long-term injuries. And if, they're, if this is an injury-filled season, Wild don't make the playoffs. If they lose one or two guys for long periods of time, they won't make the playoffs. So maybe that's okay because then they get a higher draft pick. It's always fun, though, once April comes when your team is one of those 16 that's chasing Lord Stanley's Cup, even when they've been eliminated for several first rounds. That's another thing. For this season to be a success, they need to get to the second round, just like the Twins with their 20-year playoff drought. Wild, not nearly that long, but kind of the same premise. Even though, again, back to where we started, They're playing with one hand behind their back. They can do better. Hopefully it gets better, but Tuesday night it doesn't get easier. Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers come into town. So Sunday, today, when this podcast was recorded, the Wild are off. Monday, they practice. And then Tuesday morning, skate around. Tuesday night, 7 o'clock, Edmonton Oilers are in town. And the Wild, game three of their three-game homestand, they're 1-0-1. I'm sorry, they're 0-1-1. No wins, one loss, one overtime loss. They need to turn it around, and there's no help coming up from Iowa because of the situation the Wild are in financially. So the guys in the room are the guys in the room. They got to look at each other. They got to hold each other accountable, and they got to do it. This is the Wild Minute with Troy. Follow me on Instagram, Wild Minute Troy. If you have a question I can answer on a future podcast, email me, wildminutewithtroy at gmail.com. You can find me on Apple, find me on Spotify. We break it down. We set you up. No hour and a half podcast here. Usually it's 10 minutes or less. We get you in, we get you out with everything you need to know. We'll talk to you.